listen to this. I mean, that'll make anybody wet their pants right there. Hello, my friends. Kenny Stevens here, and welcome to Rookie Real Estate, where your road to success begins right here and right now. Whether you're looking to transition from your day job to your dream job, or you're on the road to your first 50 transactions, success is in the details, my friends, and we're going to unpack the fundamental principles required for you to thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right, welcome back, my friends. We're finally wrapping up our buyer series, and I assure you, I have saved the very best for last. Now, last week, we touched on some marketing concepts, and I promise we will dig deeper. There's just so much to cover on each topic, and I hate to bore you to death. There's such a fine line between providing value and putting you to sleep. So, we'll catch up on that some more on some more marketing in coming episodes. Now, today, you will not be sleeping. I can guarantee it. This episode could very well be the difference between life and death. And I'm not ta- I'm not really kidding around with you. My friends, we live in a lost and fallen world. There are bad people out there who are sick in the head and plot to do harm to real estate agents. And there are others that are bad people just looking for crimes of opportunity. Today, we will discuss both of those types of people much more in depth. It's going to be a great episode. Now, this guy's, you'll want to share this episode with your broker, with your friends. Give it to everybody you know, boys and girls alike. It doesn't matter. It affects us all. Share this. If you have questions about something we talk about today, feel free to email me at Kenny at RookieRealEstate.com. We've got some emails that have come in that I'm going to catch up with in the next couple of episodes, but this one is going to be a hot topic. Feel free to ask questions or even give some scenarios that have happened to you so that we can all learn together. All right. As you guys know, I spent 13 years in law enforcement. Some of the most fulfilling moments of my life took place when I was a Metro Nashville police officer. So right off the bat, most would consider me to have a little street cred when talking about agent safety. However, I'm going to blow your socks off today. I brought in a special guest who has spent a vast portion of his life training officers who actually protect and serve this fine city. So he trains the ones that protect you. Now, please help me welcome Ken Alexandro to the studio today. The crowd goes wild. Welcome, Ken. Thanks for coming, brother. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So before I start pouring questions at you, I want to touch on your career and experience. Guys, Ken spent 26 years in law enforcement, started out in patrol, which is where all officers start, and was then assigned to the police academy, where he trained new recruits on how to become an officer. He then served on the FBI Violent Crimes Task Force, and then Ken finished his career as a field training officer, uh, training rookies to apply their academic knowledge that they learned in the academy to real-life situations. After 26 years, he retired, and now he owns Agape Tactical and travels the country training churches and businesses and realtors and individuals, providing safe, learning, working, and worship environments for their people's employees, for members, and for guests. This guy is an actual 
beast. Ken, I uh, cutting out an hour or two of your day to come in and to pour into rookie real estate listeners, I really, really do appreciate it. That's my pleasure. Thank you. What people may uh, not know is that uh, your dad trained me when I came on in 1991, and then I got to train you uh, when you came on, so we have a little bit of history there as well. And my twin brother uh, yep. also trained him and taught his firearms class in the academy. So, yeah, I was I was a little man. We're not too far off in age, in age, but I do remember very distinctly going on vacation, and I think you had wrecked my dad's police car or hit <laughs> something or somebody hit you, and we came back from vacation, and you had to tell my dad that while we were gone, you wrecked his police car, which is like the cardinal sin of all things rookies can't do. Uh, but I have no doubt over the years, many rookies did plenty of things to your police car, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But that's the scariest moment having to tell your boss that you, that uh, I believe somebody hit me and totaled the car. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, not a good day for me. Not a good day, but it, uh, it makes for great stories later on. So, Ken, the audience that we're talking to, keep in mind that they're newer agents, as you heard in my intro you know, either transition from a day job to the dream job, or they're working on their first 50 transactions. So this topic is probably something that they may not even have breached in their mind yet. So I want to dive into it, but I've beat it into my listeners' heads that they need to know their why. That's one of the first episodes that I taught about, and it was one of our hottest ones, one of the most listened to episodes that I've had. But because in this industry, nine out of 10 people don't make it or survive their first year, and I don't mean physically survive, I just mean really survive, can you tell me your why in serving others after 26 years in law enforcement and then still back in the game, serving others in the capacity that you're serving? It has to be just passion. We have a passion to teach people and their, uh, how to stay safe, how to keep their family safe. Uh, you turn on any news channel at six in the morning and, and what will you hear? Three people shot down, people killed, uh, people robbed. And, and if we can just change one life or make one family safer, we've done our job. Absolutely. And when you're passionate about what you do, it's not work. Yeah. I mean, I didn't retire. I wasn't run out of the police department. I retired on my own terms. I retired, uh, uh, I, I had the time in, but I was still too young. I was 47 years old. So um, so I didn't have to leave, but, but we were just so passionate about training churches and, and faith-based organizations and people and, and uh, um, real realtors because they are out there on their own. They're right. in a, sometimes they're they're with a stranger in their car or they're in a home all by themselves with another uh, couple or, or or the people at an open house and they are they're on an island. Yes, we uh, we were fortunate enough. We have five uh, CE accredited classes for realtors, and we're about to put two of them online. Um, but. Uh, um, We'll come to their brokerage firms and, 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 and their places of business, and we can teach those classes. They get CE credit for it. Right. Well, the, the, the part that we take advantage of or forget as an officer, I've got a radio on my shoulder, mm-hmm. and especially in Metro, we have so many officers at one time, usually within really 60, 90 seconds, maybe you know two or three minutes at the most, I can have a plethora of uh, cavalry coming my way to rescue whatever situation I've gotten myself into Mm -hmm. if that occurs. But in, like you mentioned, in our world of real estate, you know, we're meeting strangers sometimes, and we're going to dive into that in just a second, but we're getting to a point where we're alone, and sometimes once you realize, if you're not paying attention, it might be 
too late. You don't want it to be, but it might be to a point. I mean, get us to the point in a mind frame, just like you teach a, uh, uh, officers in the police academy, uh, being a realtor in a lost and fallen world, like I mentioned earlier, uh, can prove to be dangerous. Why must safety be front of mind at all times? Well, you look at um, the incidents in uh, uh, Lindsay, uh, uh, Bursix in Canada, 2008. Um, then you've got one 27-year-old uh, Ashley Oakland was shot two times uh, at a townhome. We have, of course, Beverly Carter, one of the most um, famous, and I hate to say famous, but um, notable, notable, right. Uh -huh. right? But what people don't realize about hers is she. It was a couple. It wasn't just a man. Uh, he and his girlfriend uh, committed the crime together. So just because it's a man and a woman doesn't automatically you don't low, lower your guard. Right. Um, and just February this year, there was one where not, there's probably extinguishing circumstances of this one because there's always a story behind it. Sure. But an agent got shot four times in the back of the head by his own tenant. Yeah. Four times. I mean, yeah. I mean, that might be a background check issue or there, a lack there of might one, right? be something or some kind of argument. Uh, sure. Who knows? That sounded a little bit more intimate, uh, maybe in that case, because it was his own tenant. But I mean, this could scare the socks off new agents. So we just gave four scenarios and that's not even everything that happens, you know, day in and day out. These are just the ones that we hear the most of, you know, agents that are murdered and like bodies that have not been found. And there's, there's still things, horrific things that have happened. That's why we're here. But just like, again, the police, you give us some mind frame. Let's talk about the mindset we should have as realtors. Walk us through that mindset and kind of how you teach that. Sure. Uh, first thing about realtors is remember, we, we take the best glamour shot picture we've ever taken in our life, yeah, put it on business cards, we'll put it on uh, road signs, uh, on the internet, we'll put it on websites with our cell phone number on it. And to, for anyone to call and try to make an appointment or try to meet you at a location. So, uh, we're automatically putting ourselves at a higher risk than a normal, uh, just uh, anyone who doesn't do that. Yeah, maximum right? exposure, you right. Know? So, and, and that's, I know that's the goal for what you do because that's how you become successful, but you're also putting yourself at risk. That's why mindset is so important. Uh, uh, and, and what is mindset? We, we call them the color codes of awareness. 98% of Americans live in code white. What are, what's code white? It just simply means relaxed and unaware. Um, if you listen to Colonel David Grossman, he talks about 90% of Americans are sheep, right? Right. 1% of Americans are the wolves who hunt the sheep. The other 1% are the sheepdog that hunt the wolf and protect the sheep, right? right. But uh, And we know this is true because, again, you turn on the news and there's a victim. There's 10 victims every single morning. And if people were more aware of their surroundings, they wouldn't allow someone to sneak up behind them. They wouldn't be in a place they shouldn't be. They won't take a shortcut through an alley. I have story after story in our women's self-defense classes where someone said, well, I, I cut through an alley because it would have saved three minutes off my walk to my car, but I stumbled into three guys that were waiting for me. Right. Versus going down the sidewalk, a well-lit, well-populated area, and taking the long way around. You'll never get that time or moment back in life. So making those, being aware of your surroundings and making smart choices. So the color codes, white means uh, relaxed and unaware, okay? Yellow is relaxed but aware. And this is how we should be living our life. Make no mistake, it is not paranoia. Right. It is preparedness, okay? Uh, example, I, I know you do this and I do this. When my wife and I go to a restaurant, she knows where I sit. I always sit with my back to the wall facing the door because we as, we're not made to fight from behind. Right? If somebody, if we don't see it coming, you can't stop what you can't see. So 
living life in code yellow, again, is not paranoia, but it's the procedures that you're going to take when you're meeting a new client or when you're setting up an open house, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but, but making sure you're using best practices to keep, your, keep yourself in your... Uh, listen, your most important job is to go home to your family at night. It isn't the contract. It isn't, it isn't the 3%. Right. Okay? So we, we have to consider living life in, in a state of preparedness, again, not paranoia. Um, uh, uh, these phones that we all carry have, have created a, a nation of people walking around with anal cranial insertion. Because all we do... Uh, this is a self-coined self term. Yeah, yeah, I like this. I've not heard that. Ab- absolutely. Because I speak at so many churches, I have to clean that up. Right. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're not anal sure... Anal cranial it, insertion. Is an, anal cranial insertion. That's right. If you're not sure what that is, ask a nurse or a doctor. That they'll be happy to explain it to you. But, but um, think about last time you were at Walmart or you were at a, at a public place, how many people are walking through a crosswalk texting or looking at their email or, or, or playing with their phone and almost get hit by a car? Absolutely. That's living life in white. Listen, yep. put your phones away, get to your location, do your jobs safely. Then when you get into your car, uh, text while you're driving. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That was a joke. That <laughs> New hands-free law just kicked that, in in, that was uh, a in joke. Nashville. <laughs> that was a joke. Don't do that. Yes. But but you, you can make your calls or check your text emails after your vehicle is on, your your doors are locked, and you're safe. Right. Okay? So Well, walking around in white anyway, it's the, people don't know better. And if they don't have any kind of training or somebody to say, hey, don't do that. Right. And here's the reason why, which is, again, the reason this podcast. And I feel like all this is common sense, and it's only common sense to me because I've, I've lived it and been through the first day at the academy. You guys would show us 10 to 15 videos of horrific deaths of officers dying. From that moment on, most, you know, two or three don't show back up for lunch. Yeah. Uh, just because they're like, oh, I signed up for the wrong thing. That's right. Those of us who are crazy enough to come back after lunch are now in a mental state of like, this is real. Mm-hmm. So we're going right now from a white mental state of walking around, not having anything aware of what's going on around us, to really you're saying, let's live in yellow. Let's at least have a conscious thought of what's happening and, and people's eye contact around us as opposed to this iPhone, which is our bread and butter, mm-hmm. but literally looking around, not just because you don't want to get ran over at Walmart, but because... Hey, did that guy follow me around Walmart for the last 45 minutes while sure. I was looking for a, a sign? People have been afraid to make eye contact with other people because they're afraid, well, uh, it's intimidating or I may offend them. Well, unfortunately. Or they might engage me. You yeah. Know. Unfortunately, um, I, I interviewed uh, part of my job. I, I got to interview several rapists in prison. And one of the things they look for is people who won't make eye contact. Because whether you, whether you believe it or not, they're looking at you if you're looking at them. And they said, if someone will just, if they look at me and they get, and, and they focus on me, now I know they've got a description of me, they're less likely to be a victim because they can identify me. Right. Because when they attack you, they attack you from behind. They push you face down between two cars. They spend no more than 30, 90 minutes with you, uh, 90 seconds with you, a minute and a half, and then they're gone. And there's no, there, there's no um, uh, 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 identifiable evidence. Like you can't tell them what they looked like because you never yeah. saw them. Uh-huh. Right? Right. So um, we have to start making eye contact and identifying people and, and taking a mental picture of who they are and decide, here's what I look, late, women have a creeper factor that men only wish they had. They can identify, a cre- if you add, man, they, they have a sense about them um, and if they'll just follow that sense, man, it would keep them so safe. So when that creeper factor comes in, that moves us and, and dudes are more like, it's a dark alley, he's 6'4", that's when we start going, 
oh, let's don't bump into that guy. But really, we don't walk around necessarily. Uh, I can't remember who I was, what class I was talking into uh, or being taught in, but it was a realtor class. And I think it was ninja training. And the guy was like, how many people have today, so far today, worried about their safety? And only women raised their hand. Not one man in the whole room raised his hand. And it was like before lunch. Mm-hmm. So within four hours, at some point, they had thought about or was conscious of their safety. And it was just women that raised their hands. So they're a lot more conscious of their safety than necessarily we are. We walk around dumb and stupid sometimes. But let's say they identify. That moves us to the next you know, color in this uh, mental state. Let's sure, orange. And, and orange is simply, I've identified a possible threat, but I need more information. It's your intuition. Right. It's your intuition. So uh, uh, you're, you're leaving the mall and there's there's three or four people hanging around near your car. Maybe they're drinking beer. Maybe they're just, uh, uh, they're, again, whatever makes them undesirable, they're undes- but a guy will just walk right through and say, hey man, get off my car, right? And, and may get away with it, may not. But when a woman sees that and the hair stands up on her back of the neck, listen, this is not a religious class. We're, 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 now, we're a Christian organization at Agape Tactical. All of our instructors are godly men and women, and we believe in our, in our God. Um, and I'm telling you, that's his way of protecting you. When your hands, hair stands up on the back of the neck and, and your intuition goes off, um, you got to follow that. These are the senses your creator has given <laughs> that's you. That's exactly right. 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 right? He, he's telling you, so I wouldn't go over there if I were you. And if you choose to do that, you've tempted fate. It ain't his fault. He sent you the, a hedge of protection by letting you know. Right. And but, you, need, you need to be prepared for the next step. That's right. So that's yeah. what orange is. Orange is, because I'm not in my phone, I've seen a possible threat, but I need more information. Right? So when you're walking out and you see that, you just go back inside the mall and wait, uh, have a security guard walk out. Or walk out with a group of people. Right. Safety in numbers, right? Yep. Um, and yes, it may inconvenience you. It may take you four or five extra minutes to get home. However, how much is your life worth? If you go out to that car and you get attacked, you'll never get that time back. And you and I promise you, you and your significant other would pay anything for you if not to have been a victim of that crime. Right. Whether it be property, whether it be just minor scratches or right. the worst up to, right. to include death. Absolutely. Right. So you've identified the threat. You did not make you did not follow the hairs on your head. You keep moving forward and then boom, we switch to another code. It's red. And red is I've identified the threat. Now I'm in the fight. Right. And this is this is problematic, especially if you don't have any tools in your toolbox to defend yourself. Because um, you know, you have that fight or flight syndrome. You're either going to turn into a wildcat because you've trained and you've prepared for an altercation, and maybe you have some force multipliers, maybe a pen that you stick them in the eye, or your keys, or your scratch, or or, or you're prepared to kick them in the groin, or, or throat punch, whatever it is. However, if you have no place to go, you'll fall into the last color code, which is black, which is frozen in fear. Right. And then you can't you are you are now a victim because Truly. you can't stop it. The interesting thing about living life in code yellow. You'll never revert back to white because you can't. Your mind will never let you be unaware. And you'll never revert to black. But if you live in code white, the only place you can go is black. Right. So so it's so important to to, um, have that mindset of, um, and, and teach our children from an early age watch your surroundings. I have mothers and, and, and young mothers say they have five and six-year-old kids. They say, how do I, how do I take my groceries out uh, and put them in the back of my car uh, and watch my back? I said, so I asked them if they have children. They said, yeah, I've got a, a boy and a girl. It doesn't matter, five, six years old. I said, now you incorporate them in the process. You find a police officer, you let them deputize them because we've done that hundreds of times. Absolutely. And have them raise the right hand and say some oath we make up. And now we have those kids, while mommy's putting the groceries in, 
You tell me if somebody's coming up near us. Now, now what are we doing? We're not. We're incorporating the family, and we're teaching them how to be aware. At an age of five or six, we're giving them skills they'll never forget. Right. But they're not going to get it through osmosis. They have to get it through training. Yes. Well, just like tying their shoes, just like potty training, sure. just like how to put your shirt on the correct direction. Sure. Uh, still working on that with my kid. But at that point, it now that we have literally exposed these color codes to you, you get to choose from this moment on that there's a mental state. And we're not talking about just at real estate. We're talking about at home. When you walk out of your house, and really honestly, to tell you the truth, I'm not at white even in my house. I've got a note here. I'm sleeping. I'm at white. But, brother, I can go from white to a certain noise that I'm coming out and I'm ready to go. But sleeping really is my only time at white. But this has also been beating my head. But now we have exposed these mental codes to you. And if you'll think of them, and the next time the hair stands up on the back of your neck, you hear Ken Alexander say, whoa, turn back around. Go back in the mall be the best 10 minutes you have ever Mm -hmm. wasted because there's three dudes sitting in a car next to your van. You got two babies and it's you and them and turn around and just wait it out. Figure it out. Let somebody else be the victim, notified authority, something like that. So guys, listen to this. Now, from the onset of my buyer series, I have always encouraged my listeners to conduct a buyer's consultation in their office prior to to showing houses, not only to strangers, but to their friends and their family too. This serves many purposes, but with safety, it's absolutely critical. This could actually be a deadly mistake if you just skip this haphazardly. So where the buyer series before, I was talking about it because of different reasons and gathering information and getting them to sign a contract with you and capturing them and finding the houses, things like that. But really for this purpose, it also serves critical states that in reality, we don't want to jump in a car and just meet somebody that we don't know at a house at 4.15 in the afternoon and it gets dark at five and here we are, we've gotten ourselves in a situation that we necessarily shouldn't be in. So. Ken, let's talk about strangers and meeting strangers. Do we ever outgrow the concept of stranger danger? Should we ever outgrow that? And really, my kiddos are 5, 7, and 13, and I still find myself talking about strangers to them at home, and you mentioned that a second ago. You know, we don't want to jump in the car and meet a stranger, but if we choose to, Let's say, man, we, we really need this commission. It's $700,000. Let's just go meet them. And we, we blow caution to the wind. Let's talk through that if we do it, because I know that I've done it. I know that agents, even though we talk against it, have done it in our office. But let's just have a conversation. Let's let's talk about those processes uh, if you're going to do it and meet a stranger. Sure. Well, let, let's, let's go back to your buyer's conference. When you have them in the office, one thing that I would suggest you do is – have uh, part of your paperwork get a photocopy of their driver's license. What's important about that is people who have been identified, hence there's a driver's license behind, are less likely to commit that crime because you know who they are. Okay, uh, it, but if you are going to meet somebody at a at a at, at a location, an address, and you don't know who they are, you don't know what they look like. Um, have them text you a picture of their license. This serves for two purposes. One, again, now you identify it. You text that license picture back to your your office or some someone in uh, one of the managers who who can put it in the file or at least have it. And two, you have a photograph now of the subject you're going to meet. And if the person that you 
uh, our meeting does not resemble that photograph, you need to continue to drive on. Red flag. Red flag. Time to that. Remember the uh, hair stands on the back of your neck? Yep, there it is. That would be an orange. Yeah. So we yeah. we we gotta we gotta heed that. So that that's that would be the first thing. Um, again, we, we never recommend uh, you. And again, this 20 years ago, I remember buying my first home, jumping in the back seat of my realtor's Mercedes, and going around looking at homes in Antioch when it was a great place to, to yeah. buy homes, right? Um, and and but we you can't. I mean, that's like an Uber now. Right. You know, uh, you don't you don't get an Uber car unless you get what a photograph. You get their license number. They know your name, and you ask them who you're here to pick up. There's four different ways to verify who's just who you're about to get in the car with. Right. So, um, uh, when po- I would make your your practice your SOP, meet them at the location after you vetted them, um, and if you have to uh, again meet someone you've never met, take an agent with you. I mean, if you've got to cut a cut a, a percentage or a point, or if you've got to, instead of that, get a relationship with one of your fellow agents that, hey, I'll go with you on yours, you go with me on mine. Right. Safety in numbers. Absolutely. Okay? So um, um, uh, try not to transport them. Never transport them in your vehicle. Meet them there. Uh, once you've identified them, important. When you go in the house, never lead them into the house. Because if you lead them into the house, they can, uh, and I've had agents tell me this, they turn, they, they'd hear the door shut and then they'd hear the latch lock. And you know, that should be probably the scariest thing that, that happens that to you. That you've ever heard. You've just locked yourself into an abandoned house. So um, if you lead them in, you're in total control of the condition of the, of the residence. Now, I, I know as, as a good agent, um, you're wanting to, to uh, uh, show every detail of the home, the countertops, the, 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 the new condition, the, 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 the bedrooms, and you want to detail all these things. However, if you think about this, um, HGTV, those realtor shows, you know what those realtors do now? They stand on the side, outside the front door, they let the people go in, they look at the house on their own, and then they come out and they answer any questions. You know why they do that? For safety. Now, I know they got a video crew, but they're setting an example of how you can do this to be safe. Because so many realtors are putting themselves in jeopardy by being in the house with the unknown. And again, I know that may go against training or, 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 or your best, um, you, you know, you're wanting to show this house in its best possible light. Well, we're also talking about somebody that you have actually never met. That's this correct. is somebody you've not, like, if I'm taking, you know, you and your wife sure. and, and your kiddos out to a house, I'm going to walk in with you guys because I know you. Sure, you've established a relationship. I, yeah. I, we're, we're talking about the unknown. Complete stranger. That's correct. Wanting, and you're going to violate the rule, not bring them in, not do the buyer's presentation, not get them with the lender beforehand, talk to their lender beforehand. Really, one of the things I have here noted is have a conversation on the way there. Mm-hmm. Like, while you're driving, there, if they're not willing to talk to you, and then ask questions multiple times. Anytime we were interviewing or even moving to an interrogation with somebody as a detective, we asked the same questions two or three different ways. Mm-hmm. And if they can't follow up with that, we know to keep riding that uh, spot or that that's a target spot for us. So if somebody can't answer or if it change, like, yeah, I'm looking 400 to 600, uh, but I make $22,000 a year, well, they're not looking. At four hundred to six hundred, if they're twenty-two thousand dollars a year, sure. Or they don't. You've never heard of the lender they've used, which is not necessarily uncommon. Be like, when did you talk to them last? Who is the loan officer? Hey, text me their number. I'm gonna hang up and call them. Want to see where you're at in the process? If they're not willing to do that, then we don't show houses to people that can't afford them anyway. So that eliminates that buyer uh, in the process. They're not ready to look. 
Sure. You know, so all those things, guys, are things that if you think it's just three percent of seven hundred thousand, you know, twenty-one grand is not worth your life when the guy or girl can't even afford to buy it whenever you're qualifying them over the phone. So all the things that we're teaching you, there's a reason behind what we're teaching. There's a method behind the madness. And we're wrapping up this buyer series with this information because it's the last thing that I want you to remember when you're working with buyers. As Ken said, this doesn't make sense. Sure. Stop what you're doing. Remember how we used to interview suspects? I know you were a detective for a long time. You know, uh, first of all, we, we never asked a question we didn't know the answer to, right? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was number one. But number two, if we wanted to check if somebody was lying, we would ask them a series of questions like um, name, date of birth, address. We'd, and then we'd talk to them for four or five minutes. Then we go, oh, I didn't write it down. What was your date of birth again? And if they hesitate, you know they're lying, right? right. Don't just hear what people say. Don't just listen to their words. But you got to hear what the underlining meaning is. Absolutely. So, so if again, if you're on the phone and you get that creeper factor, and I know you can if you're actually hearing their words, not not just listening to the conversation, but hearing them or their intent. Um, again, now it's time to get somebody to go with you or, or 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 abort that one and set it up for another time. So let's say you do. Uh, this is a stranger. You stay out front, kind of like you mentioned a while ago. You let them tour the house. Uh, they come back out. You know, there's a couple of things that you can have. If they're like, hey, let me come show you this, uh, you know, this dark, creepy basement. They don't say that. Like, hey, come look at this master. This doesn't look right. You know, if they're trying to get you in the home, just don't do it. There's a couple things that we have. There's apps out these days that you can have as a real estate agent that you can hold your finger on this button. And if your finger comes off of it, it sends a distress signal to, you know, your spouse or whoever you set it up with, your broker or somebody like that. Uh, you know, there's things that you can do, but also your car's right there. Have your keys in your hand. Have have the door unlocked. I mean, be ready to get in your car and leave if you have to. But if you're kind of trapped and say, hey, let me ask a question about that bathroom, and you call your office and say, hey, man, where's that red file on the corner of my desk? Uh, I'm out here at 123 Elm Street, and they're having questions about the bathroom. Can you look that up? That lets whoever know, because you've already set it up, that there's a problem uh, and I know that comes out sometimes you're like, what if they don't know what I'm talking about? They're going to figure it out sure you know on the other end of the line but the bad guy's not going to know and you at least got help on the way and that's just a stranger. I want to get into a system that's for everyday showings, friends, family because the perfect practice allows for muscle memory to control our movements and actions. If you do it the same way, the right way, every time. I think you had a, a saying, it's not uh, practice makes perfect, it's perfect practice. You, I bet you have said that, <laughs> I don't know how many times uh, in, in tactical handgun classes and things like that that I've heard you say, but you guys beat this into our heads. We draw our weapons thousands of times before you ever give us a bullet or put a target in front of us. Now let's talk about how every single showing should go, whether it be a friend, a family, or a foe, somebody we don't know. Let's walk through that and kind of help me with muscle memory of of what we should do. What's ideal, especially with people we know and are pretty much acquainted with, because you don't really know until you know that you know. You know, you and I know each other for 25 years now, 26, 27 years, but we're talking about just somebody you know from church, but you never really hung out with them because you're showing them houses. You know, go through something that would be ideal or feel right in your mind that we can get in the habit of doing. Let's talk about it from entry all the way through the end of it. Well, again, first it would be um, let if you're going to go in the house with them, let them lead you in. 
you unlock the door, you step aside, you let them walk in. Uh, once they're in, you go into, stay in the living room in the central area and you let them look throughout the house. One of the things we do for open houses, which you can do here, is immediately go unlock the back door. Why? Because if somebody blocks off that front door, you immediately have a, a backup exit. You, you, you always think about if, if point A is blocked off, I need to point B yep, to get plan out. Yep, plan B, absolutely. Right? So, so uh, uh, once you go in, let them look through the house. When they're, uh, while they're looking in, at the master bedrooms, you go find the back door, unlock it. Now, don't forget to relock it. But again, if you do this right. as a practice, you'll never forget it, mm -hmm. right? Um, one of the things we do, um, uh, don't let them suck you into uh, a back room like we talked about with senseless questions. Like, I'm in this closet and um, it's painted white. Well, so? You know, can you come back here and look at it? What am I looking at? Right? If, if, if the questions have no merit, let that be a red flag. Right. Okay? Make, you know, again, have them come back into the living room, uh, at least where you can, you have some exits. Um, one of the things, uh, for example, for an open house. Uh, you want to get there 30 minutes, uh, and this is common practice, you want to get there 30 minutes before uh, the time is, so if it's a 2 o'clock showing, uh, you'll get there at 1.30. First thing you do, you walk in and you lock the door behind you. You unlock the back door. Then of course you go through the house and look for um, if valuables have been, 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 you know, you want to put things away. If there's a, if there's a um, block, uh, butcher block full of knives on the kitchen counter, we put those away. We don't want to give weapons to a prospective suspect, right? right? Um, I know that you're going to have a sign in and out sheet when they come in. Uh, I have talked to, uh, I've trained hundreds and hundreds of realtors and, and those are usually, those courses are usually sponsored by some form of a lender. They usually have a relationship with a lender. I've never spoken to a lender that didn't say, if a realtor doing an open house asked us, we would send somebody with them. Why? Because that's an instant client pool. That's a possible person they can have. And they're building and strengthening that relationship because cool. they want to be your primary point of contact for all loans. hundred percent. Right. And you have safety in numbers. And now if you have somebody watching your back, if you want to show somebody through the house, you can. Right. Because you're not on an island anymore. You have right. somebody there. So your situation will always dictate the tactics that you use. Okay. So, um, uh, so again, when we're, and then when people are showing condos, um, a lot of times they're three stories straight up like they have in Green Hills. There is no back door. Right. So one of the things we suggested to them was, weather permitting, set up your open house table in the garage. Why? Because it's open. People can come in. They can still sign in uh, your sign-in sheet, put the email address down, and then they're free to go walk up through the house. But you are not cornered in a place that you cannot escape. Right. So um, make sure make sure wherever you set up for these open houses that you have an avenue of escape right behind you. Right. Okay. Um, because you may not. That may be your only opportunity. So you got even you know you talked about the butcher butcher blocks uh, full of knife uh, on the counter. You put those away. You're still you know where those are at. Mm -hmm. Now we'll get into this a little bit uh, more in a question down the road. But there's things all around us, obstacles that are going to keep us from being able to get to the exits we need. Like you've already toured the house. You're familiar with it. You know you know dragging something. If somebody's chasing you and you drag a chair behind you, they're going to trip over that chair. Like mentally figure out a way of getting out the door as quick as you can and any obstacles you can get around. But again, the last thing there is still, there's a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. Four guys walk into your open house at 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon and they're all sticking together and whispering and you know traveling throughout and it just doesn't feel right, it's probably not. One of the scenarios you gave from the get-go was an agent who was murdered in a townhouse. There were people, she was shot twice, 
there were people outside that actually ran in and called 911 and started to trying to help her. That was in a, uh, a neighborhood that had people there. It was a townhouse. And now she got to the hospital. She succumbed <laughs> to her injuries. But again, the gut feeling. Now, one of the most difficult things to teach a new officer is when it's time to actually put their hands on a bad guy and commit to using force if necessary. That's probably the mind frame of a rookie. Anytime I had him riding with me and I wasn't an FTO, just kind of filled in when you guys would take vacation. But even when I was a rookie, I'm like, at what point can I grab them? And of course, you guys relate back to the law and probable cause and all that kind of stuff. But let's talk about an agent. Let's say you've been back into a corner, you violated all these rules, hair standing up on the back of your neck, but you know that door is locked and he shuts it or she shuts it and the bolt locks. And now you have no doubt you're in the fight for your life. Talk me through that. Let's create a mental picture of a win right here. Well, it all starts with what have you trained to do? Have you have you ever trained to, uh, you, you know, in the, the in an active shooter situation, what do they teach you? Run, hide, fight. Well, you can't run because you just got locked in, right? Right. Can you hide? No, you, you can't hide you. anywhere. Right. All right. So all you have left to do is fight. So what can we fight with? Anything we can get our hands on. A Absolutely. lamp, an ashtray, uh, the big Schofield Bible that'll be up on the, that, that, that corner table. Um, anything you can use as a force multiplier to at least distract. So a bad guy, we all have what's called an OODA loop that we have in our brain. Every action we take every day goes through an OODA loop. Okay, what is that? Is this Observe? another Ken word? Sure, no, okay. no, no. Uh, um, is this a real life word? Yeah, Colonel, <laughs> Colonel John Boyd, a fighter pilot, uh, okay, came up okay. with this. It's the art of multitasking. And uh, what is an OODA loop? It's observe, orient, decide, and act. You gotta observe it, and you gotta orient how close it is to you. Then you gotta decide, is this a threat to me, right? And then you gotta act, what am I gonna do? Right. Kind of like putting on your brakes at a stop sign. You gotta observe it, you gotta di uh, orient distance, and then decide I gotta stop, and then you gotta actually press the brakes. If you're in that fight scenario, when you fight back, you're scrambling their OODA loop. It's like it's like re it's like pressing the computer, uh, uh, re restarting a computer, right? They're gonna have that moment of hesitation. They're, they're, oh, she wasn't supposed to fight. What do I do now? You have just a split second to mount your escape. But again, have you planned your escape? Have you ha unlocked the back door already? Have you um, uh, do you have uh, have you do you have a carry permit? Do you have your gun in your purse or in your pocket or in, uh, on your side? Have you trained with that weapon? Right. Here, here's the problem. People think, and, and, and I'm going to throw a big red flag on this. They think, hey, if the, when the crap hits the fan, I'm going to rise to the occasion. I'll be able to defend myself. And that's the biggest bunch of, that's the biggest lie you can tell yourself. No man or woman will rise to the occasion under stress. You will sink to the le highest level of mastery in your training. And if you have not mastered any training, you have nothing. You are, you, you are frozen in fear. You have become a victim. So for those people who have their carry permits, have you ever taken a meaningful draw stroke in your life? Right. From Not just from a hip holster. We're talking about from the purse you're carrying it in. Yeah. Or from the concealed spot you have behind your coat or on your ankle. Sure. Like, have you tried to get it out as fast as you can in an in a execution type way? And can yeah. you hit anything? Right? Good point. Just yeah. making noise and scare somebody? Or can you actually <laughs> hit anything? But what if you don't have... And listen, you don't have to be a gun person. What about um, a taser? What about chemical spray? What about um, um, uh, uh, having a pen ready to poke them through the eyes or your keys, right? Have you ever tried that? Um, have you ever practiced and trained with car? When we teach our realtor classes, we set you up with keys in your hand and pens in your hand, and we come at you with, with cardboard faces, and we teach you to jab right through the eyes. 
Because we don't want the first fight you've ever been in, the ones for real. Right. Okay. We want you to have experienced the stress, and and that's why in our women's self defense seminars, our realtor self defense seminars, I get dressed up in a padded suit, and I attack everybody with and and the techniques and the things that they've trained with for the last four hours, they get to employ on me. Um, you know, if you just watch a PowerPoint or you watch a video on a computer, you may remember fifteen percent of it. Right. Right. But if you physically exert the energy and under stress, you do these repetitions, and then you have to perform them under stress, and I promise you when I'm laying on top of you and I'm 220 pounds in this suit, that's stressful. But you'll learn if I don't quit, I can win. You must train. You gotta reset their OODA loop, aren't you? That's right, that's right. (laughs) I wanna blow their OODA loop out of their brain and give them just enough time to uh, be able to mount your escape as you said a while ago. I think the, uh, one of the the concepts that I remember, and I can't, uh, maybe it was uh, Sergeant Beto, uh, which is one of your guys, he was my sergeant. He's like speed and violence of action. We're talking about such an amount of force that they're like, you use the word oodle loop. I'm going to start, I'm going to steal that now. Yeah. But I'm like, good gracious, just the amount of force that you can exert will literally blow their minds because they think you're going to be a victim. They so think they're in control. Three things that will determine your survival. First, surprise. All right. So if somebody, somebody's coming towards you, you don't say, stop, I have a taser, I'm going to light you on fire. Don't, you don't tell them that, or, or stop, I've got chemical spray, or stop, don't make me draw this weapon out. You don't tell them. If you're in fear for your life, a death, serious bodily injury, you can use deadly force without having to give a verbal warning. Um, so surprise. Next is speed of your attack. It has to be fast as possible. And then the violence of action. Three things determine your survival. Sur- um, surprise, speed of attack, and violence of action. Yep. And you think, well, I, I can't poke somebody's eye out. Well, you better. You better. It's your eye or theirs. Right. So you got to. That's a mind frame, Ken. That we're talking about professionals. I mean, I think of the. We've got thirty agents here that I was with uh, just this morning, and and I go. These are people who you know, Sunday school teachers and 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 soccer moms and and uh, just guys that have never been in. They've just never done something like police work where they have that mind frame. This isn't just for women, guys. This is for dudes, too. Mm-hmm. This is a world, a lost and fallen world. We all can become victims. They may want your watch or they want something physical from a female. They may want your watch. Your and car. Your car mm-hmm. or, or to stuff you in the trunk and you can't necessarily know whether or not. But when they shut that door and lock it, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. That's the decision process that I was saying earlier. Like rookie cops had to like, when can I touch them? And then once you figure it out, and it comes with a little bit of time, but once you figure it out, when you do do it at that point, it is time to act, and it needs to be violent. You only get one shot of it. You only you only get you're only going to get one shot at your your defense. Absolutely. You can't balk. You can't do it halfway. You can't just push them. You better strike them. Absolutely. Because now you're just going to make them mad, or they know you're going to fight. Now they're prepared for it. And and regarding men, when we teach our realtors classes. It is everything we teach is just as applicable for men as it is for ladies. So it's not a women's class for realtors. It's for both because the men are so the women will learn how to ground fight. The men will learn uh, how to stand up fight. You know they'll they'll get a different, slightly different training at towards the end, but they're still going to get to fight me in the red man suit. Right, and until you've actually gone against a red man. Uh, you've not lived life, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I pulled out while you were talking. I, I've got this, this taser as a police officer has uh, 60,000 volts, and uh, it shoots 21 feet. Well, the civilian model of that, which I know you're a big fan of, because I actually sold one to yep. you, uh, is uh, 
I had an extra one and sold it to him. He was like, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, but this is a civilian model that's 50,000 volts and will run for 30 seconds. It's actually designed to uh, shoot the taser, the probes come out, sticks in your uh, su uh, suspect or uh, bad guy, they fall to the ground, you leave, you call 911, but listen to this. I mean, that'll make anybody wet their pants That's right there. Riding the, light, <laughs> riding the lightning right there. That is called riding the lightning. And Ken and I, we were voluntold, they say it was volunteer, <laughs> but it was voluntold and we have each ridden the lightning and he's probably done it a couple times. So it's self-defense, and being proficient, you keep using those terms and the training, you're gonna to perform to the last amount of training, the highest amount of training that you've done is, is something, the verbiage that you used. But let's talk about the weapons that we may choose to carry. Now, personally, I'm always armed if I'm awake and I got pants on, I am armed. But not everybody is comfortable with uh, actually carrying a gun everywhere they go. But uh, let's talk about the weapons that you actually recommend the most uh, and prefer that agents keep in mind or have and get proficient on and use. First, the most important weapon that every single one of us have, whether we're carrying a, a gun or not, is our brain. That A gun is not a weapon, it's a tool that right. your brain weaponizes. My pen is not a weapon, but boy, I can use it as a weapon. Mate, you can tell this guy is quality. <laughs> He's like, it's the brain first. I love yeah. it. You're not a, I mean, it's just merely a tool, and we got a tool. a tool bag, and we got, right. we, we utilize what we have. Go that, ahead. That's why the, the statement is true. Guns don't kill people. people, Guns, kill people. You leave right. a gun on the table, it, it doesn't do anything. It's a paperweight. So we have to weaponize those things. And, and, and having uh, uh, ladies who have, listen, first of all, if you bought chemical spray from Walmart, you probably bought nothing more than food additive. Because like cayenne pepper, liquid yeah, fire. That, that's or all it like is, that. and that's just right. going to make somebody mad. Right. Um, we will help you. Uh, uh, you know, if you'll contact us, we've got police grade, law enforcement grade that you can't buy, but we can get for you. We can buy it and, and issue it to you. Um, the stuff that the officers carry. Right. Freeze plus P, best yep. stuff on the market. I hate that. It stuff. It will light you on fire. It will. So. Um, I've been sprayed more by police officers accidentally than you know ever <laughs> absolutely. used. Ab absolutely, uh, go ahead. So, but uh, so so first of all, your brain is the biggest weapon, and your brain will make you live life in code yellow. And guess what? When you live life in code yellow, you will see things, and you will avoid that conflict, and you will win every conflict you can avoid. Right. So you will win th there's every your conflict you can avoid. That's right. Absolutely. So so I'd love that's that. the number one tool. That's the number one weapon is your brain. Um, secondary, if you choose to carry a, a firearm, which you have that right. Um, you're carrying- In most states, this is nationwide, so make sure you're doing okay, it I'm sorry. in your state. Um, um, uh, roger that. If, uh, uh, if your state allows you to have a carry permit, just understand that having a carry permit, that is not a training class. It's a qualification class, huge difference. In Tennessee, you shoot 50 rounds from the three, five, and seven yard line. That is not training. 30 minutes and you're out. That's qualifying. Right. There's no stress, you're usually in an indoor range or you're outside under a tent um, and you have perfect weather, your target's not moving, you're not moving, your heart rate's not up. Listen, I had a 72-year-old lady on a walker with an oxygen can canister attached to it with a cannula around her nose, smoking a cigarette, and she qualified with a 22. Is that training? No, it's not training. No. Anybody That's can, actually kind of scary. It, anybody can get it, but, but, you're, but you're required to issue a permit. Right. If they, if they pass the, the minimum qualifications by the state, right? right. So. If you're gonna carry, you have to, well first, buy a, buy a, how much is your life worth? Buy a decent weapon. Absolutely. Please don't buy a, 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 a something that you paid $89 for at your local sporting goods store, because the chances are it probably won't work when you need it. 
So, so buy a moderate, a, a, a whatever firearm to fit your, your lifestyle, um, um, get that firearm. And I'm telling you, if you're gonna carry in a purse, the best weapon we recommend is a Airweight 38 um, Snubnose uh, Hammerless Revolver. Why? Because you're not gonna have time to draw that weapon out. What we teach in our women's classes is, is that uh, the best kind of purse is one with a shoulder strap, and if you're right-handed, it goes over your left shoulder and the purse is on your right side of your body. And when you're walking into that house or when you're showing a house or when you're, when you're walking um, uh, into a grocery store, your hand is actually in your purse on the gun finger on the frame. Because in real life, a bad guy's gonna sneak up behind you. He's not gonna say, he's not gonna send you a postcard and say, hey, I'm coming to get you. Right. So uh, if you're being pulled down from behind and you're not already prepared, your purse may fall off. There's no way you're gonna get to it under the stress. So we teach, shoot right through your purse. Right. And, and, and a semi-automatic is big a fan, and I have one on me now, um, uh, as much a, a big a fan as I am of them, in a confined space, they're gonna malfunction. Right. They're going to get one shot off, but they can't cycle. They can't cycle, right. Where a revolver, Kenny, what's the con of a five-shot revolver? What's the bad thing? Well, people would say the bad thing is the number of bullets. Sure. A properly placed bullet is very effective. So the con is it's only got five shots, right? What's the pro? That you've got five shots. You've got five shots. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Absolutely. So, so uh, uh, because uh, the revolver doesn't need any extra space in the space it currently occupies to function. Especially with the hammerless. That's right. right. That's why we get a hammerless so it doesn't get caught Absolutely. in anything. And of course, we get an air weight because um, uh, we want to be as light as possible in our purse. And I want a Smith & Wesson because I've watched other manufacturers, which I don't need to name here, malfunction after the first or second round. They, the, the, the cylinder just stopped turning. That's why you're spending 450 for the revolver, or 650 for the revolver versus 200 at a pawn shop. Actually, they're 369 bucks. Okay, not yeah. bad. So, the, I mean, how much is your life worth? Absolutely. So, so um, if you're going to figure out the weapon that's gonna be best for how you're gonna carry, train with that, that object. And it doesn't have to be a firearm. It can be chemical spray, but buy decent stuff. Get police grade. If it's gonna be a taser, get one. Know how it works. But the most important thing, whatever your weapon, whether it's keys, whether it's a pen, whether it's a taser, whether it's a gun, if it is not accessible, it does you no good. If your purse is on the kitchen table at an open house and you're cornered in the back room, well, that, that weapon didn't do, reckless. Do, do you any good. Right. Okay, so it has to be something that you're willing to have on your person because accessibility is more important than caliber. Funny, funny story, uh, uh, I was at the Governor's Club playing in a golf tournament and, and I carry a gun even on the golf course. It's in my golf bag when I walk and, and then when I come into the clubhouse, it's in my pocket. And, and when I play golf, it's a Glock 42 380. And the guy at the other end of the table who we just played with is, is uh, yelling at me and arguing with me and he says, my, his 45 will do way more damage than my 380. And I says, Big Daddy, I'm not arguing with you. I said, but where's your 45? He says, it's in the glove box of my truck. I said, well, What's I win. Good, dude? <laughs> I, I win. Mine's right here. <laughs> yeah. So, so just keep in mind, accessibility is everything. That's why when you're picking a firearm, you, you gotta you gotta train. Uh, excuse me. You gotta at least know what kind you need, and you only do that by going to to a trained professional that say, look, here's how you're gonna carry. This is what you need. Um, and I don't sell guns, so I don't have any dog in that fight. You hire me for an hour of my time, and I'll, I'll go through your lifestyle. This is going to be best for you. Right. And then you go to a gun store, and you can buy anything you want to, um, uh, but you won't let them talk you out of what you really need. Because now you know what you need. Because now you know what you need. You're an educated yeah. buyer. So training, proper equipment, the right equipment that's going to be the most effective, and then just beat into your head, guys, you're going to perform. What's that term you use? You said you're going to perform 
on the no no one will rise to the occasion they will always sink to the highest level of mastery in their training you will sink to the highest level of mastery in your training if you never get it out of the you know the the purse that allows you to carry it and you can grab it if you never get it off your ankle if you never get it off your hip or in your but however you're carrying it john wayne style it doesn't matter if you never get it out and you never train you never prepare for it misfiring you never preferred how to reload if you have an option for reload if you never train for it then it's merely a paperweight or an object that's going to you know get you in trouble or be taken away from you and used against you you've got to be willing to use it and once you use it you got to be all in if you're going to pull it out and it's time to use it then use it ken i all i can do really at this point because there's so many levels to what you just said is find somebody if you're locally obviously call ken alexandro and agape tactical but if you're across the nation you can even bring ken in if you want to do that as well but find training get the answers this right here i we have to keep it broad because we're in a podcast that's you know 35 40 minutes long but you can't stop right here and what you've learned get the training get the right tools get it done when it's time to get get done can i always finish with this with this question if you could speak into the lives of thousands of agents across the world through this podcast what would be your parting gift of knowledge? Your life is more important than a contract or a paycheck or your 6% or any other job-related achievement. Your top priority is to go home safe to your family every night. Two things to help you do that. One, get educated by a qualified professional wherever you live on how to do your job safely, whether that's picking a weapon or um, getting an app on your phone uh, like Circle of Six where you can immediately contact people uh, in case you're in trouble. Set up some type of system with your, with your uh, uh, receptionist at your work or with your coworkers that uh, you, you had mentioned earlier, and I'm sorry I'm going back to that, but, but, it, but if you know, call and ask for the red file if you're in trouble. What if you can't get to your phone? Right. So if you're going to a meeting with an unknown person and, and your office knows, you have that manager, you have your husband or significant other, call you every 10 minutes. And if you don't pick up your phone, they already know where you are, just call the police. Right. Right? So you may not be able to call. Have someone check in with you. Yep. And, and I would make that as an SOP across the board, make it a company policy. So uh, no one can say, well, you're just scared. No, that's our policy. Right. Right? So um, get trained. And, um, and again, we go back to, remember, you'll never rise to the occasion you'll always sink to the highest level of mastery. Become a master of defending yourself and your family and be able to uh, survive and work another day. When it does hit the fan, you'll never regret the time that you spent preparing for that moment. And I hope and Ken hopes that this is the, the most amount of waste of your time you've ever done. But I assure you, once you learn what you need to learn from a competent uh, trained professional, you won't be white anymore. You can't be white because you've now raised your knowledge to the point where you no longer have the luxury of walking around in a state of whiteness, of oblivion. And when it does hit the fan, you're not going to go code black. It's mm-hmm. going to be fight because uh, flight is not necessarily an option whenever it's time to go. So the greatest, guys, the greatest achievement we can ever do in our company is to get someone to change the way they live. 
And remember, it is not a state of paranoia. It is a state of preparedness. Absolutely. I love it. My friends, you have just heard the good, the bad, and ugly of agent safety. This is not intended to evoke fear, but to create awareness and the continual need for each of us to remain diligent in our safety and our safety of those around us. Guys, if you have a desire to learn more from Ken Alexandro at Agape Tactical, you can go to Agape Tactical. Uh, com. He, he travels across the, the U.S. and probably for the right price and around the world, but get somebody who knows what they're doing, not um, John Wayne Wildcat that uh, may or may not have ever done anything like this. This guy trained police officers. Find somebody who's highly qualified. It's very, very affordable. It's actually a great gift. I bought, I bought, uh, paid for my father-in-law uh, to go through Ken's advanced tactical handgun class. It was like four or five hours. We shot four or five hundred rounds. Uh, it was so fun. It was a good bonding time. He still talks about it. We still talk about doing the next level above that and with lights and at night and things like that with shotguns. So Find it. It's good. It's fun. Do it together. Also, Ken's been approved to provide continuing education hours here in the greater Nashville area for agents. Is that nationwide? No, the whole state of Tennessee. The whole state of Tennessee. Ken's able to give continuing education uh, classes as well for that. You can hire him to come teach your company or tell your broker about this. He can teach anybody, churches, individuals, companies. It's necessary. Utilize it. Hiram, Ken, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you coming here and pouring into not only me again and loving on me, but also to all of our listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. That's it, my friends. Special thanks to Scott Parker, my producer extraordinaire and friend. This guy is merely hours away from welcoming his second daughter into the world. Where He's, he's sitting there holding his phone, waiting for mama to call, saying it's time. Prayers to you, my friend, and a beautiful wife and, and daughter in delivery during this process. I can't wait uh, to meet her. So special thanks to Scott and his family. Guys, don't forget to email me any questions or comments you may have. Kenny at RookieRealEstate.com. Until next time, better your best.